Hello and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines. Um, our special guest today, Jamie Chandler from Spennymore Town. Um, Jamie, many thanks for joining us today on From the Sidelines. And first of all, congratulations on taking over your first managerial role at Spennymore Town. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Um, yeah, it's been a busy few weeks, um, but you know, relishing the role and, and um, really enjoying it so far. Jamie, well, we're going to look at your your sort of journey from from player, well, transition from playing into that technical area. Um, what made you want to get into management in the first place and coaching? I think I think first and foremost, it's probably just the love of the game. Um, it, it's it's all I've ever known since three four year old. Started kicking socks around the house, um, getting into football, and just going on that journey. And I, I think I was around. Um, 17, 18 at the time, you, you know, the old scholarship where you do your level one, level two. Um, and I remember just having a conversation with Kevin Ball and he says, you look like you enjoy this. Um, and I said, yeah, I said, I do. I, I really enjoyed sort of the, the leadership side of it where we were putting sessions on within, you know, our scholarship group and stuff like that. And it just seemed to evolve from there. Um, I remember um, going to a couple of sessions with different coaches, um, Martin Scott, Mitch Wellens. Wayne Walls, people like that, and, and, and you know, just at first, just picking the cones up, collecting the balls in for them, but just picking up little things as I went. And it, you know, it just slowly, slowly started to evolve into, I started working part-time within um, Sunderland's Foundation a couple of evenings a week while I was at Gateshead, um, and I just started to get the bug, um, really enjoyed it, really, you know, enjoyed working with young kids, the enthusiasm, um, and, it, and it just seemed to, you know, slowly go from there, which obviously, Moved on to his complete B license and A license, and now obviously a full time role within what I do in the secondary schools at Monkweam out for Walker in the football academies, and obviously now in the in the dugout um, at Spennymoor. So I think you know to sum it all up, it's it's probably just my passion for the game. I absolutely love it, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get in on an evening, even after coaching for four or five hours through the day, it's either goes to Spenny do some more coaching, or I'm watching football in the house, or watching me little fella play. So it is just that bug and that love and I love the fact of you know that, that sense of care and, and developing players and people in and around us as well. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there, Jim. We'll, we'll talk about you know that you've got a passion and, and people that are working in football, they live and breathe football. But you mentioned some coaches there that, that I presume were real role models for you as a younger, as a player. But as a as a young coach wanting to get involved, how important is that uh, for us to develop future coaches moving forward, especially young coaches? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the coaches, um, the top coaches that I've worked with and ones I've still got really strong relationships with, have, haven't just been coaches; they've been you know mentors as well. Um, yeah. And they go that extra yard. Um, you know, I've got Lewis Dickman with me as as my assistant manager at Spennymoor and. You know, when I got offered the opportunity a couple of months ago to take up the assistant manager's job, Jason said there was, who do you want to bring in? And, you know, I didn't even hesitate. It, it was Lewis. He coached me when I was 9, 10, 11, 12 year old at Sunderland and we kept in touch. Then he was part of my journey through, you know, the UEFA B and UEFA A. And I think with Lewis, he, he was someone, like I say, who just had that extra yard. He, he would always touch base via phone call or, or a text message. He was always on the other side of the phone if I had any questions regarding coaching or even while I was still playing. Um, but there's, there's, there's probably probably too many 
coaches to mention in his podcast who have had an impact on us. I, I think the ones yeah. that really stick out is someone like Lewis, you know, Elliot, his brother, Jed McNamee, people like that at Sunderland. But I mean, Kevin Ball, you know, when you talk around the the whole package in terms of a coach and what what you would want from your coach, you know, very demanding, very very challenging on the pitch, but very quick to put an arm around you, very quick to make sure you're okay, and you know how you feel and how you experience and things. And I think people like that are just golden within the game, um, and they are certainly ones that you know had a had a massive impact in terms of you know me as a person, but also how I how I would like to deliver as a coach and stuff as well. Absolutely, Re- really good words there, Chen. Uh, Chen, let's go back just to, to last season, and you recovered last year from a from a injury, injury, which was what, Jamie? It was um, an ACL injury. Um, I, I'd done it during a game against Brackley, um, and it was one of them ones where there wasn't nobody around us, um, and all of a sudden I felt something which I thought, wow, I've, I've never experienced that before. Um, I remember the physio coming on, and that's the way I described it. I haven't felt anything like that in my knee before. Um, I actually got up and, and tried to continue for around five or six minutes, and I just knew there wasn't something right. We then fell into lockdown and COVID, and COVID nineteen, and it was just a, it was one of them where you know it had swelled up, the swelling had come down after a couple of weeks. I was tying in with a physio and stuff like that, and. Um, you know, we looked as though I'd, I'd maybe I'd got away with not having a, a major injury. Um, I was back out running, straight line runs. It was around a time where people were on the social media with the 5Ks and things like that. So I thought I'll have a little bit of that. I'll get involved in that. And I was getting myself out there. And again, a couple of weeks later, I was walking down the seafront with, with, with my little boy. And um, I went down a step and it, it just went again. So I obviously knew that... There wasn't something right there. Obviously, went in to see the the surgeon um, down in Darlington, and um, he, without hesitation, after moving it around once or twice, just said, "Yeah, it's a rupture of the ACL." Um, and I think, obviously, when you hear something like that after you've been through a career where you've been quite lucky with injuries, it was it was like my world had fell apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was devastating, um, and he basically spelled it out and, and gave us two options. He said. You don't have to get the surgery, um, but you could continue to have a healthy lifestyle. You could go to the gym, you could do straight line running and stuff like that. But he said, if you want to continue playing, you have to get the surgery and you're looking at a 10, 10 to 12 month layoff. Um, so the initial impact of that from a mental point of view was was really, really tough to take. Um, but going back to what I said before about having good people around you and mentors and things like that, I think I was driving home from there. I'd spoke to the physio and within the first 20, 25 minutes of me driving and getting in my car, I'd had the chairman of the club on. I'd had Jason as the manager. I'd had Tommy Miller as the assistant manager all on the phone just saying, look, we'll get you through it. We'll support you. We'll get the surgery done. We'll get you the best physio care. We'll get you in with Gav Cogden for your rehab and stuff like that. And from you know a psychological point of view, we'll, we'll get you involved in, in and around the club so that you still feel a part of it. Um, and I probably had a week, guys, I would say, probably a week or two after that where I was in two minds, being honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd spoke to a lot of people. I know Ian Watson was a guest on here um, a couple of weeks ago with you, and he was absolutely outstanding. Um, I remember walking through Bolden on the phone, chatting away and saying, I think I'm done. I don't think I'm going to do it. I've got a little boy. Um, it's going to be a lengthy layoff, you know. We're in COVID, we're in lockdown, and I think my mind was all over the place. But 
he went back to something really simple. It was, Chan, you absolutely love the game. You've got to get back and you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an obstacle that you'll overcome. Um, and you'll come through it a lot stronger physically and mentally. You've got to do it. And it, it stuck with us. And I remember putting the phone down, ringing the physio and just saying, let's get it booked in as soon as we can. And, I, and I'm going to get my teeth into it and I'm going to do it. And it was a long road, guys. Really was, you know, a lot of early mornings, five o'clock mornings, four times a week with Gavin Cogden up and seeing he was outstanding. Obviously the physio was outstanding, but there was a lot of lonely times where you're on a bike or you're in a gym by yourself five o'clock in the morning, half five in the morning before you go to work and you have to get through it and you have to grind. But, you know, fortunately I come through at the other side and, you know, come back stronger from it. Yeah, fantastic, Jim. Um You and Jason um, did brilliantly last year. Um, when you got offered the job to take it on yourself, how important was Jay in your decision and the support that I would imagine as a manager he's given you as a player, but in working in partnership last season together? Yeah, he was absolutely massive. Um after the the Heaven game, the the, the Challenge Cup, um, obviously we were a bit disappointed for a day or two, and the chairman actually um, asked us to go in, and I asked for Jay to come in also, um, because I, I had a slight indication that you know I was going to be offered the role and stuff, but you know the trust and the relationship I've got with Jason, I wanted him to be in and around it as well, obviously with his experience um, and stuff, and with his guidance that he's given us. And we went in, the chairman, you know, had what he had to say. And he said, I don't want a decision now. I want you to go away and think about it. And Jason just looked at us and he said, you've got to do it. He said, I fully believe in you. He said, I've seen what you like in the round of players. I've seen what your, your, your sort of passion, desire is for the development side of things. The, the prep analysis work that goes into it. And he said, you've got to do it. He said, if there's one person I want to take the club forward, he said, I would want it to be you. You deserve the opportunity. Um and, and, and that felt amazing, to be fair. I walked out of there, you know, feeling 10 foot tall from what the chairman had said. And, and obviously from someone like Jason, who's, who's been there, seen it and done it and 14 years in management and, you know, very successful management career. Um, and he kept in touch with us probably for the next day or two after that, a couple of little phone calls here and there. And I think he was just testing his out. So he was probably getting getting his bets on, to be honest, guys, so he could go and win a bit of money by me getting there. But, <laughs> no, yeah. He, he was brilliant. He was honestly absolutely superb. And he said, look, it's not easy. There's going to be some difficult decisions you'll have to make. You'll have to upset a lot of players who you've shared a dressing room with at times. But he said, I feel like you've got the characteristics to do it. And that was enough for me. I, already in my mind, I had that I wanted to do it. Um, like I spoke to you just before we, we obviously come on on here. Um, but him just giving me that reassurance and that confidence um, was probably the the last bit I needed to to confirm that I wanted to do it. Yeah, Jim, Jimmy, how did you how did you adapt from being a player in the changing room, um, a legend at the at the at the club, um, from what you'd achieved, uh, to then having to make decisions with players that you played with for a long time, players that you had a lot of success with. I um, but you had to make some some tough decisions in and around them. How how did you adapt to that? Yeah, it was you know, I'm not gonna lie, it was it was quite difficult at first. Um I think the first month of 
two of us taking over, we, we inherited a, a bit of a broken squad, guys, in terms of we had players who probably joined the club to play for Bernard and Jono, which is understandable. That happens at a lot of clubs. They, they join from the manager or the coach who's there because of the relationships they've got. But I think, you know, being honest with it, we, we had some characters that weren't right for the culture of spending more time. Uh, players who, you know, didn't really want to buy into what the club was. You know, a, a club at the heart of the community that, you know, was very hard working and we built the success at the football club off hard work and stuff. And we had a, a lot of good technical players, but maybe players that didn't want to roll the sleeves up at times and go that extra mile. So I think one of the first things, you know, I had to do was be honest with Jason and, and give him my honest opinion in terms of, I didn't think there was a couple of characters that were right for that dressing room and right to be around the players that's been there for a long time. Glenn Taylor's, James Curtis's, who are the first at training, last to leave, you know, wear the shirt with pride. I just don't think they were buying into the ethos of that. So I had to have them honest conversations. And, you know, there were some difficult ones because there were players that I did play with, um, had respect for them as players, but I just didn't think their character fit. So that was one of the first things I thought... I had to be honest with Jason and give him that support and, and what I was seeing from my point of view. Um, once I feel, you know, we got that right, I think the, the next thing was probably your first two or three team meetings that you have, guys, where you present to the group and you're thinking, I've got to get this right. And you probably rehearse it over and over in the days building up to it. And then it gets in there and you stand there and you go, oh, everything I thought about, I was going to say, has maybe gone out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um but there was a couple of nerves there, you know, there was a couple of nerves with the first bit of delivery and things like that. But I think the one thing I had on my side, which which was really good for us, was I, I had players that I had a lot of respect for and, and they had a lot of respect for me as a, as a player. Um, and they really bought into what I was trying to do and what I was trying to deliver. You know, I wanted the intensity up in training. Um, I wanted us to really train how we played. And I said, look, I don't think we look fit enough when we're going into Saturdays. The last 10 minutes of games, spending more town teams that I've been in, it over, overrides the opposition and we get stronger. I don't think we're doing that. So training went up in terms of the intensity and the demands. Um, and I was very fortunate, I think, very lucky that I had a dressing room there once we maybe moved a couple of characters on that really bought into what I wanted to do and what I wanted to drive from a training point of view. Yeah, Janet, it's you mentioned him earlier, Ian Watson, who we've had on from the sidelines um, a few months ago, that the, the standards and characters in changing rooms that you need to be successful and you you mentioned it there what what you you what you had to change last year and I would imagine the types of characters and the levels and standards that you that you want to set this season is all about bringing in them them right individuals and and I suppose looking looking at another club and looking at the success that Gateshead have had over the last few seasons with Mike and Busted is something that yeah that that you're going to want to bring into the into the club moving forward over the next few seasons? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we've, we've got a head of recruitment at Spennymoor and, you know, obviously his job's to to research and, and look at players and, and bring them towards myself and the management team. And the first question I always ask is, what's his character? Yeah. Um, you know, what's his background? Um, where's he been within his career and stuff like that? And, you know, the the next stuff you ask about is where does he fit into the system? What's his technical ability like? Because we want to be a team that, you know, dominates the ball next year and, you know, looks after it well. So, but I always, I always think, you know, the, the best dressing rooms I've been in uh, have had good characters, leaders, strong characters who, 
who drive from within. It, it doesn't always have to come from the coaches or the manager. They get a hold of it at times. Um, and they're like little lieutenants within the dressing room and they keep the standards really high. And the profiles and, and characters we've looked for at, at Spennymoor this season is we've, we've went with sort of a blend of experience who understand the culture that's already embedded in the club. But the, the characters we've looked to bring in um, are very am- ambitious and want to progress, you know, and that's whether they want to progress and get promoted with Spennymoor or whether they want to get themselves in the Football League or in the National League, you know, and, and, and I'm happy to support that. I'm happy to support, you know, them as an individual. Um, but I think it's also good for us as a club to to be progressive and to, and to be pushing these players on. So I think character um, is absolutely huge, especially in non-league football, because you don't get a lot of time together on the training pitch. You get sometimes only a Thursday or you get your Tuesday and Thursday. Obviously, the travel, especially in our league this year, is absolutely crazy. So you get that, you know, bit of bonding time within the coach and stuff. But the, you know, the togetherness. I spoke about it on Saturday in our our first presentation back is one of the big things that I want to see from the players this year. Yeah, Jimmy, you, you touched on it there. Um, the philosophy of how you want Spain to play moving forward. Yeah, I think. Um, I think when I was a player myself, I, I, I probably I wasn't fully blessed with technical ability. I could handle a football. I could look after it. I loved being on the ball when when we dominated games and we moved it around. But I built a lot of my game off you know hard work, desire, commitment, making it really difficult for opponents and stuff. So um, I probably can't repeat what we put in our presentation to the players um, with the language that was used. But it was along the lines of we we want to be you know horrible so and so. Um, whether we're in possession or out of possession. Uh, um, you know, and what we mean by that is too many times last season we reflected on games and it become a basketball game. It was end to end. We didn't dominate the ball intelligently enough. Um, we didn't maybe manage games well enough. Some games could end up 5-4, 6-5, where really I would have preferred a, a 1-0 win with us dominating possession and looking after the ball. So I think in terms of the philosophy we want to we want to be better in possession. We've got a goalkeeper we've brought in, and James Montgomery, who's come from Gateshead, and, and the way they play, we know he's going to be able to build, you know, start attacks and, and build attacks for us. So that's certainly how we want to be in possession. Out of possession, I just me personally, I can't get away with what I was brought up on from coaches, which is if you lose the ball, you go and get it back. Yeah, you know, if you're the nearest man, you, you go and affect the ball and. You know, we've already started touching base and training in terms of how we want that to look out of possession and obviously there's tactical elements that go you know, go with it, but that honesty and that desire and that, you know, hunger to go and get possession back is really important to me as, as a manager. Um, and I know it's really important to Lewis and Andy from their coaching point of view, um, alongside me as well. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, how's well, good friends, you know, of yours, Tails, JC, Rob Ramshaw, how have they taken to the change of you being in the dugout? Um, and I suppose my second part of that question would be, how have them players, are they the type of players that you need within the dressing room that you can rely on as a manager? You need that cohort of players uh, that have your best interests at mind and the players that you rely on to get other players to buy into what's happening to take the club forward? Yeah, I think it's really important, guys. Um, I think first and foremost, they don't react that I don't go out with them anymore very well. 
Especially Rama. Uh, but <laughs> I think, I think obviously when it, when it, when I first stepped in and stuff, um, you know, they, they were probably the first people to, to drop us a message or a call and, and say, we're absolutely buzzing for you. We know how much you love your coach and, you know, we, we feel you're right for it. And they had, you know, they had me back straight away. Um, and, and, and that felt amazing, obviously, to come from them because, you know, they are friends. Um, yeah. You know, throughout the season, did I challenge them? Did I demand off them and maybe upset them at times? 100%. Um, but they know that it's for the benefit of the football club. It's for the benefit of us getting results. Um, but as I touched on before, you know, I, I think having a nucleus of lads that understand, you know, the culture of what Spenny Moore is and what the supporters demand and what the chairman demands and what he wants throughout the club, I think it's really important to have them lieutenants within the dressing room and, and sort of on the train and pitch and when we're travelling and, and stuff like that, it's really important to have them players there. Um, Glenn's always took care of code of conduct for the players. That, that doesn't change. James Curtis alongside him, Mark Anderson, Rob Ramshaw, and, you know, they're a leadership group. Um, and that's not just, you know, by the way they speak and stuff like that. They're the first at training and they're usually the last to leave. Um, and they set them standards. And if it's not quite right within the training session, we know fine well that they'll challenge people. Um, you know, and as long as it's coming across in the right way, which 95% of the time it does, you know, you're happy for them to do that because they're driving it and they're driving standards that we want. Um, but it was really important. I think one of the first things, you know, I'd done from a re- recruitment point of view was make sure the likes of them were tied down and they were happy with new contracts and they were happy to stay at the club and be part of, you know, the, the transition and the new journey. Um, my challenge to them was the players that we bring in, you make sure you integrate them as quick as possible. You make them feel welcome, you make them feel loved, but you demand of them and you, you make sure they understand that when we train, we train how we play. Um, and you make sure they know, you know, what it's like to represent this football club as well. Yeah. Jimmy, I suppose the last, the last question for me is, uh, you know, you had a top, top class playing career. Uh, you're now moving into, into coaching, being a coach, management. Um, where do you see the next 10 years of Jamie Chandler? Guys, I, I can't even look at tomorrow sometimes with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, I would love to just um, be able to progress. I think me, me first and first and foremost, um, I want to, you know, reward the chairman, reward the supporters for the faith that they've shown in me. Um, you know, I've, I've made it clear to the players, you know, with the, the quality that we've got in that dressing room, we need to be looking at promotion. To get Spennymoor promoted, you know, I, I come close a couple of times as a player, um, but to do it as the manager of the football club would, would probably be my proudest achievement. Sorry about that, that's a, it goes right there. Um, yeah, it would be my proudest achievement by a, by a mile. Um, where the next steps are after that, I don't know. I think, you know, I'd I, I play it by there and, and say where I am. I absolutely love the football club. I love being part of it and, you know, what it's what it's all about. Um, so I think that would be me. This season's, you know, my priority. Getting getting a really good, strong pre-season. Um, hopefully having a successful season. And then what happens next? You know, we we take that next challenge when it, when it sort of comes, guys. Yeah, I think... Chan, we've both been involved with football for that many years. Um, you're never sure how long you're going to be in a club. 
Um, but I'm sure football will be a better place for seeing Jamie Chandler involved in, in whatever capacity that is. Um, Chan, I will wish you many, uh, all the best and all the luck for this season uh, with Spennymore and hope you get your, uh, your goals that you set out to the players. Um, and many thanks for taking time out your very, very busy schedule to take part in From the Sidelines today. Oh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, mate. Thanks, Chad. Speak to you soon. Take care.